Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Less sins, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. This week's guest is a gentleman by the name of Sean Rhodes. Sean is the Chief Sales Architect for Bulletproof Selling in Tampa, Florida. Sean leveraged his former life as a war correspondent to become an international expert in how the best teams continuously improve pipelines and performance. He's a Tampa-based TEDx speaker and has worked and studied teams in more than two dozen countries around the world. Sean has been published on many platforms, including Time, CNN, NBC, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Inc. Magazine. His clients include companies such as Deloitte, ConAgra, Coca-Cola, and dozens of similar-sized businesses. Sean's latest book is entitled Bulletproof Selling, Systemizing Sales for the Battlefield of Business. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ian. It is a real pleasure to be here. That's great. Thanks for for taking the time and and sharing your your vast experience and insights with the, the sales profession at large. The focus of this episode is going to be on systemizing sales, replacing hope with certainty. Man, I love that tagline. Um, my first question, and it's probably obvious for all of the listeners out there, Sean, you started, uh, as your bio stated, as a war correspondent. Now you're a sales architect. Could you please share with the listeners about that journey? Sure. The uh, initial stages of being a young man for me and a lot of other young men and women out there was a feeling of invincibility. And so I thought to myself, well, uh, you know, if, if I can do anything in the world and I've got nothing to tie me down, what would I want to do and see? I had a real passion for communicating, telling great stories, and also for studying people that were doing amazing things in the world. And I thought to myself, well, what better way to do that than to follow some of the highest performing military uh, service personnel around the world that have embedded in their units and basically following them into combat. And when I got into the Marine Corps, they said, uh, you know, here's your job, here's a notepad, here's a camera, here's a rifle, uh, go, go forth and prosper. So I had the ability to travel almost at will in and out of all of these combat units. And my role there was to study what the very best were doing to achieve success when no one thought they were even going to come back alive. So I would be sent into these units that had exceptionally high survival rates and study them. What are you doing that's allowing you to bring everybody home or as many people as possible home so that we can share that knowledge with the rest of our units across all branches of the U.S. military? And I realized that these folks were, in essence, bulletproof. Um, you know, bullets wouldn't bounce off of them, of course, but they were able to cover angles in a building without communicating. 
you know, watch for booby traps, things that really kept them alive. And it wasn't because they had superpowers. It was because of the 200 years of mistakes and lessons and uh, kind of knowledge that their predecessors had been able to capture through systems. So when we began to apply this into businesses in an operational setting, and especially in the world of sales, we realized, and I'm sure that all your listeners could attest to this, um, you know, you're not the first person in your company or probably on your team to be shut down by the last objection that shut your sale down or the last time it was tough to get in touch with the decision maker. These things happen all the time to most of us. So the question is, are we learning from each other in the same way that those high-performing teams on the battlefield had to in order to stay alive? Now, the benefit in doing that, of course, Ian, is that you are really speeding ahead of your competition if you begin to even do this in a small way, because most salespeople, like you mentioned, are relying on hope, hoping they remember what they read out of that last sales book or out of that last course, or hoping they remember to implement what their VP told them to do on the next sale. And on the battlefield, hope wasn't enough, and I hope it's not enough for salespeople too, which is why we're working every day to share systems and how do you build those inside of a sales team. Brilliant answer, uh, Sean. It certainly, I, I'm a huge believer, like yourself, in having a system because it can be repeatable. Systems are there for a reason. It's it's not hope isn't a strategy. A system is, and I, I'm just profound. I, I'm, I'm delighted to hear uh, your answer to that that question. Kind of leads me to the next one. Like, what is bulletproof selling? How do salespeople become bulletproof? Just like you talked about. Well, let's um, look at the image, if you will, of the last war movie you might have seen where a group of men and women might stack outside of a building that they're about to clear is what we called in the military. Basically, they're going in there to see are there any bad guys or bad people uh, you know, that, that they need to arrest or get rid of. Uh, SWAT teams do this as well, exceptionally well. So if you've ever seen a movie with a military team or a SWAT team, you probably know what I'm talking about, where these men and women will be separate individuals. They'll get outside of a door. And then when the leader gives you know, them the word, they'll then bust down the door, knock it down, and they'll go into this house that they might have never been in before in their lives. And yet, at that moment, they become a singular unit. And the rifles seem to move independently. They're covering all the angles. They're moving up and down stairwells, making sure that every possible angle of attack is covered. Now, what I've seen salespeople do is almost the exact opposite of this. And I made this mistake for so long in my own sales career where it's basically like you knock, you know, like in, in contrast to what these military teams and SWAT teams do, it's like going up to the door of a building, knocking on it, asking, is anyone home? And then when no one answers, you just kind of wander off and hope the next door will, will be open to you. You know, <laughs> so we would never make any progress at all in the military if that's how we went about operations. So as sales teams, if we want to start to become bulletproof, it's understanding we don't have to do this by ourselves. It really comes as part of a team. And if, if you're a listener right now on the show and you're an, uh, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you think to yourself, I don't really have a team. Well, I'm going to challenge you on that. You probably have people that are at your similar stage of business growth. You have peers. You have mentors. These can be your bulletproof team. And what it starts out with at a very simple level is just tracking what's working and what's not. And if you really want to go low tech with this, Keep a notepad next to your desk as you're making your sales calls. Track, hey, you know, I, I heard this uh, objection out of a decision maker said he didn't have time for me, hung up the phone. Well, that's not the last time that's going to happen to you, but it will be the thing that continues to shut down your sales and your calls if you don't take action on it now. And that might mean reaching out to a friend, reaching out to a colleague, 
researching online, you know, because <laughs> there's tons of articles on this. How do I get the attention of somebody quickly and start to provide value so that they want to have a conversation with me? And if you can begin to track just a couple of those small things and start to research and close those gaps, suddenly you're innovating in a level that your peers have to do over decades. You think to yourself, you know, the, the salespeople you know that are excellent in their field. Very few of us were born salespeople. We had to learn this through a lot of years of a lot of failure. Well, on the battlefield, they don't have that kind of time because they want to bring back people alive and accomplish the mission. So to get around the you know decades of experience it might take with a very small survival rate at the tail end, they train people. They give them the answers that they're looking for today so that they can go out and be successful tomorrow. I, I love what you said. Teamwork. Uh, and, and so many salespeople, you said it, Sean, they, they, they think that it's, you know, it's a one-man show and it's only up to them to get it all done. And there's lots of resources. There's lots of people that could be on your team. I love how you said it, your bulletproof team. Um, the other thing is keeping stats. You'll never manage it if you don't measure it. And so uh, s- selling is a lot like baseball. There's a, a lot of stats that we can track and, and look to improve our ratios, who we're talking to, when we're calling, there's, there's a lot of things. And you're right, you don't need technology to do that. It could be old school with a pen and paper just to, mm-hmm. to track what, what you're doing on a daily basis. And fabulous insights uh, on that one. I mean, and how do salespeople maintain this consistent contact with both prospects and customers in this very virtual sales world we live in today, Sean? And so I'd say you might want to rely on a piece of technology here, and it's the least favorite, probably three letters in any salesperson's vocabulary, and it's a CRM. (laughs) Yeah. Now, (laughs) the reason that it's the least favorite words in any salesperson's vocabulary is they're seeing this thing as an administrative tool rather than as a GPS to run their days and to run their businesses by. So for a lot of us salespeople, you know, we start with a company, we're doing good, you know, we figure out our own methods that seem to be getting us some success, and then the boss will come down and say, hey, we need you to start tracking some stuff in a CRM. And so for a salespeople, this is, this, you know, something that happens like at the end of the day, when they'd like to go home and be with their families or get a drink at the bar. No, can't do it, right. it by the CRM. So that's, that's, a, that's a drag. I wouldn't want to do that either. The other side of this, though, is that you can use it as a way to be more fully present with your prospects. Now, how you do that is you let your CRM be the guiding force, the director, the managing director, if you will, of your outreach. And you can do that through, and any CRM can be built to do this, manage campaigns, outreach cadences, flows, so that each day, and I just got done doing this before we hopped on this call, Ian, because I don't just talk about this stuff, I live it. I was inside my CRM seeing which calls do I need to make today, When those had been knocked out, now I'm switching it over to emails. What emails need to be sent today? And I can do that very rapidly, very quickly, because I don't have to think about the 20 or 30 prospects I just reached out to. If I just was sitting here in my office twiddling my thumbs thinking, who needs to hear from me today? I'd have never remembered those folks. But I can do that through my CRM so that when I do happen to get one on the phone, we can be in an active conversation and I don't have to keep those 50 plates spinning in my head. I can be fully present, provide as much value as I can convince them that even if they don't buy from me today, I'm going to be in their lives until they decide to become a customer. It's, it's so true. CRM for many salespeople, uh, they, they've renamed the acronym Cash Runaway Monster. Is how I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> it could cost companies so much money and time, precious sales time, that you don't get back. 
because you're you're a slave to it. What you're saying, Sean, is is so refreshing. Is make it work for you. Help it mm-hmm. be. You know, every day if you get in what you get put, you take out what you put in. And so look at your CRM that way as 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 the map for success on a daily mm-hmm. basis. It's uh, so well said, and it's refreshing to hear uh, someone say that because again, a system can help us if we let it. And and that's what you're what you're really saying. How how can sales people best engage customers while providing consistent value even after the sale, Sean? Absolutely. So let's let's start with uh, engaging customers because that's something that a lot of salespeople will struggle over. And most of the work that I get to do inside of organizations to help their sales team is focused on this issue, right? How do we get in touch with more prospects? So there are three things that you need to understand about kind of systemizing prospect outreach. The first one is you need to know before you conduct outreach, before you you know uh, get your, your phone out and get ready to make that call, before you open your computer and get that email out ready to write it, you need to know, what am I actually trying to achieve here? What movement does this prospect need to achieve inside of my pipeline to consider this outreach a success? So if I do get a hold of them, what am I trying to learn that's going to move them further toward the sale? Because otherwise, you're just reaching out you know, to, to reach out or to get in touch or to check in. None of these things are good reasons to pick up the phone, by the way. But right. if I you know, know enough about this account to know, hey, if I know who the decision maker is and I can qualify them for budget, I'll make forward movement on this account, even if they can't buy today, because I'll know who to get in touch with in the future, and I'll know what product or suite of offerings to offer them, given what budget they say that they have today, even if they can't cut me a check today. So that's movement. If you don't know where this account is supposed to be going inside your pipeline and what you need to get it there, and it's not just about making the sale today. It's about what pieces of information do we still need to backfill on this prospect? What intelligence dossier do we need to build if you're using military terminology? to know this person better. So once we get movement out of the way and you say, Sean, I, I know exactly what we need to know about this person, even if we can't make the sale. Well, the next thing I need you to figure out is what method are you going to be using? And most salespeople will focus on just maybe one or two methods of outreach. It might be just phone. It might be just email. It might be just social media. I advise salespeople mix it up. If carrier pigeons hadn't gone extinct, I'd be tying messages to the legs of little birds and sending them out the window. Use every method of of communication you have available. Mix it up. Make a phone call. Then send an email. Then do a LinkedIn message. Then drop something in the mail. Handwritten card. I mean, all these things work to get the attention of a prospect. So if you've got movement down and you've got method down, now you can focus on the latter part of your question, which is messaging. What am I trying to communicate? What story am I telling to this person that convinces them that it's not just about me? I'm not just trying to make a buck here but that I've helped people like you. I understand the challenges that you're having and I'm here to be a long-term partner in your success. Even if you don't end up buying from my company, how can I help you? How can I leverage my network to get you that thing that you need? Even if I can't provide it with my products and services. And if you can do that at the tail end of a customer relationship, wow, you have primed yourself so well for testimonials, for being able to get that recorded for them to say, you know, we couldn't even buy from this person for, for years, you know, but eventually it came up. We, we became their customers and we are so glad that we did. If you're thinking of using Jim Smith's products or services, can't recommend them highly enough because now at this point, you're not just a vendor to Jim Smith. You're a partner in that person's success. That's how you get that long-term arc of referrals and feeding new leads back into your pipeline. Beautiful. Uh, like singing to the choir. I absolutely love yeah. it. Because 
It, 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 you're so right. And I like the first one. Like, it, you got to know what your goal is. What's the objective? And for too many salespeople, especially in the business-to-business selling environment, you're not going to pick up the phone and, and, you know, hang up with a PO in your wallet. That's right, right. Works. We're just trying to get a first down to use a football analogy, which I know is very popular in Tampa, given oh, yeah. <laughs> the reigning Super Bowl champions, that's where they are. But it, it, maybe it's just a first down. And you're right, that touchdown could be years away. You're creating currency based on value and relationship. And as, as you know, technology is fabulous. I love it. I use it myself. But at the end of the day, it usually comes down to the best relationship wins. And however you can stimulate that, that value currency, uh, it, it, it sets you up to be their problem uh, solver uh, on the go forward. Mm-hmm. Love what you said, Sean. I really, really did. Um, what is required? Kind of my last question for you today. What is required for creating systems to find, qualify, and get in touch with new prospects? We all, everyone does their share of farming with their existing account base. We've got to do that hunting as well. We've got to find the, the new customers. What are the systems to find, qualify, and get in touch with them that, that you use and, and, and would recommend, Sean? So this is something that we get to do uh, just every single week on our podcast, which is Bulletproof Selling. Um, and, and I know Ian will we'll give people a way to get in touch with that whole brand uh, here in a minute. Uh, but the basic use of a system in sales or in anything, really, um, we call that trimming hope away from our sales strategy. So we use the acronym TRIM. And this is a system that we get to build every single week with our guests. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're definitely on our roster to be one. So um, the first T in that acronym is TRIGGER. So where is this system going to come into play? Is it going to come into play when I'm trying to find new prospects for my pipeline? Is it going to come into play when I'm conducting outreach? Is it going to come in when, uh, you know, we've discovered a decision maker and a budget and we know that they're going to be buying our, our product or service in the next six months? Define when this system is going to come into play. Otherwise, it will stay on a shelf. You will forget to use it. But if you have a trigger for it, then you'll know, hey, this prospect has met these criteria. Bring that system into play. And a system could be a two-step process. It could be a 20-step process. As long as it lives outside your head, in a CRM, on a spreadsheet, in an operations manual, wherever you need to put it. Um, That's the trigger part. The next thing you're going to want to make sure you do with your systems is make them repeatable. That's the R in trim. Now, what that means is it's got to live outside your head. Don't think that you can remember all 24 steps that worked really, really well in that big sale that you closed three years ago. What we recommend salespeople do is even after a success, you, you lock that piece of business in, best sale of your life. You're going to take that commission check and buy an island in Cabo. It doesn't matter how great a sale it was. Take the time still. Map out what went right, what went wrong, what would I like to do again, what do I want to make sure never happens again. That's the basics of building a system even after a great sale. But, of course, you can do this if you lose a sale, too, to make sure you never lose a sale for the same reason again. But it's got to live outside your head. Spreadsheets are great for this. Checklists are great for this. CRMs can be facilitated to build these kind of things. The I in trim is making this thing improvable. And what that means is, is that you take the time after a lost sale or after a one sale to figure out, you know, what do I want to make sure I do again? Because we got that sale locked in. It was the fastest close we've ever had. What happened? Do we need to do something differently in our processes? Do we need to target prospects that are more in that person's situation because it closed faster? What is that thing we need to change? But make your systems improvable by taking the time to regularly look at what's working and what's not. A system you built five years ago, not going to have the same effectiveness today. And finally, the M in trim is measurable. 
And mm-hmm. as you mentioned before, you can't measure what you don't manage. If you've got to, you got to figure out one is your system being used. If you manage salespeople, are they using your systems or the systems that they've built alongside you? And two, not only is this thing being used at all, because if a system that's not being used, you can't measure results against it. But two, is it getting us the results that we want? Yeah, we created a system for how to, you know, conduct outreach on new prospects, but how much conversion is it creating? If it's not the level that we want, we have to modify the system. But I promise you, you're going to do better if you have a system to modify than if you're just throwing darts at the wall and hoping one day something sticks with a system. And I can attest to this from personal experience with a system that allows you to say, hey, this piece works, but this other piece, no, that's just not a value add. Let's get rid of it. And we can begin to do things consistently better because we're operating off of the same sheet of music. Love it. Like trigger uh, my, all four of those things and beautiful acronym, a trim, uh, improvement. Yeah. That, that is so important. We're constantly growing and learning. And so, so should our systems be that flexible with intent that, okay, how do we make this better? That didn't work. Mm-hmm. That worked for this customer. doesn't work for that one. So we've, we've got to almost write in Velcro so that we are adaptable uh, to make the change. Yeah. And measure it. <laughs> we, we agree on that one as well, Sean. My guest uh, this week on Confessions of a Sales Pro, uh, Sean Rhodes from, from Tampa Bay, Florida. Sean, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we let you go, how would it be best for listeners to reach out to get a hold of you? I'm sure you've stimulated lots of intrigue and interest and people want to know more. How could they best get a hold of you? Well, if you're interested in how to begin removing a little more hope from your sales strategy, go check out bulletproof-selling.com. That's bulletproof-selling.com. There every week we release a new podcast, a new sales system. We have live stream interviews that we do with sales VPs and then uh, brilliant sales leaders like yourself as well, Ian. And on that website for the listeners of this show you go to the main page, you, you'll see a floating button that says, take your five-minute sales assessment. If you'd like to dive a level deeper into systems building for your pipeline, take that assessment. It really just takes five minutes. It's absolutely free, and it will kick back a system on what you tell it you want to systemize the most. So you can immediately get started and start seeing results. That's fabulous. Uh, Sean Rhodes, once again, thank you so much. It's so valuable, such some great jewels and pearls of wisdom there for all of the listeners and sales. Uh, again, uh, thank you for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro and have yourselves uh, a wonderful week. Again, thank you, Sean, very much. Great, Ian. Thanks. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With Ian Selby.